Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. All right, guys, I'm going to preach today a message called prophecy, possibility or foolproof. How many people believe that prophecy 100% all of the time comes to pass? Raise your hand. How many people believe that it doesn't always come to pass 100% of the time? Man, you guys have chosen poorly. (laughs) The reason why you said that is because we have all met prophets that said something that didn't come to pass because they said what they willed to happen, not what God willed to happen. The difference is if God decrees something, it is 100% without fail going to happen. It may take a thousand years. It may take a hundred years. It may take three seconds. But whatever it is, if God decrees something, it will happen. So to everybody out there that you have gotten a genuine word from God where you knew this was from the Lord. And it is not yet materialized in your life. Do not give up on that word. It shall come to to pass. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Are you with me this morning? Now, I wasn't trying to call anybody out and make you uncomfortable with that question. But the reality is, is the reason why we're not 100% on prophecy is because um, the church uses the term prophesy all the time to inflict their wishes or their desires to happen. Like, take the World Series. I was wanting Tampa to win over that liberal Los Angeles city. Now, granted, I don't even know the players. They could all be totally Holy Ghost-filled people on L.A. and all heathen on Tampa. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know squat. But I could sit there and I could say, I prophesied Tampa will win. But you know what? Tampa didn't win. Why? Because God's not concerned with Caleb's will. He's concerned with his will. Are you with me? And ultimately, Matt and I realized when it all came to an end that we just decided the Lord doesn't care about baseball is what it is. He cares about football. Because the, the scripture, the violent taken by force, really just bore witness with us. We're like, God doesn't want those non-contact sports. He wants that full contact. Amen. Come on, man. Come on. Nobody's with me. But Matt and I, we know. We know what's up. So I prophesy the Titans. Okay. So good to establish that. And I'm going to get into that. Just because someone declares something over your life does not mean you have to agree with that thing. Are you with me this morning? All right. So uh, a while back, I asked this question. I feel to start this service with this, is speaking about biblical authority. How many people believe that God gives authority to the church? Okay. How we exercise that authority, once again, is relying upon our submission to God's plan and purpose for our lives. We can't exert. And some Christians get into what is referred to as really Christian witchcraft where they're trying to speak things over someone to make them do something they want them to do. That's not godly, amen? 
And so I asked the question, what do you believe? Do you believe, number one, that God is in control of this world and only what he allows to happen will happen? Do you believe, number two, that the devil is in control of this world and his agenda is accomplished in secretive ways? Do you believe, number three, that man has dominion over this earth and is in control of what happens on this earth? Now, it's a complex scenario because ultimately the devil did gain dominion when man sinned. His dominion exists on this earth everywhere. It is not challenged. Man and women are not men and men and women not free from sin are used as his agents. Some choose to be used, like witches, and some are used unknowingly. How many people before you were saved were used by the devil to do something? Maybe even how many people since you've been saved had a bad day? <laughs> well, I had a bad day. We have the same mind. God, <laughs> then God restrains the devil from all out chaos. He has set boundaries of what he will allow his church, what, what he will allow the devil to do while his church is still on the earth. Hence, that's why scripturally the Bible prophesies about tribulation. If the devil was allowed to do whatever he wanted to do all the time, we would be living in tribulation right now. So there is a restraining order against him. Come on, somebody. In the court of heaven, he has to social distance from you. The devil does not have the power to usurp what God has allowed him to do. Understand that. Now, man is the free agent. Like the long-lost heir to the throne, he comes from obscurity to step into his domain. That's very poetic. As man steps into his place or position of power and authority... He has to fight against a web of resistance created from the devil. God will speak to man to lead him forward towards God's will for his life, but man has to choose daily what he will do. Man has no authority over God. God is not indebted to move or work through man. He simply wills it from time to time. A man that has gone years without having God will supernatural things through him should strongly consider how far is he from where God wanted him to be. There's doctrine that teaches us that supernatural things pass away with the apostles. That is people that developed it to excuse the fact that they were so far from God and out of his will that God was not confirming what they were doing with signs and wonders. Are you with me? So you got that question. If you've gone 28 years being a believer and never seen a miracle, never seen someone healed, never had something supernatural transpire or God reveal something to you, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Find out it is as the Spirit wills, but why am I so far from God that He ain't willing it ever in my life? Because I would rather be so close to God that this wheeling happens weekly, daily. Come on, somebody. I'm stirring you up. I feel I'm going to get you warmed up. You know what I'm saying? It's like a crock pot this morning. Is everybody just did the extra hour of sleep just do you in? You're all kind of like. Okay. Redeemed man has authority over the devil. Let me say it again. Redeemed man has authority over the devil. But with his many agents, 
Those willingly helping the devil and other men blindly doing the work of the devil, man's position is not freely turned over to him. What does that mean? It means you have authority, but you have a battle to fight for that place that God has called you to do. The battle outcome is that you will be victorious as long as you walk and operate through the blood of Jesus on your life. Amen? Now, the enemy's power is broken by the revelation of his maneuvers and the word of God and the spirit of God within man. God accomplishes his will through yielded vessels, and he declares his will through prophets. Therefore, listen to the prophets, yield yourself to God, and watch heaven have its way in this generation right here, right now. Do you believe it? Say amen. So back to what I'm preaching today. Prophecy, foolproof, or possibility. If God decrees something, is it going to happen? How long does it take to happen? You know what I'm saying? Because it's like someone says you're going to be a millionaire, and then you go home today and you quit your job. Because the Lord said, I'm going to be a millionaire. Well, maybe that wasn't the exact timing. You know, maybe you should wait till God gave you the business idea and the strategy to get there before you quit that job. You know what I'm saying? I had a weird letter this week, but I'm not even going to get into it. It's just people do the strangest things, and they blame it on the Spirit of God. It's like, man, I did this, I did this, and this is what's happening. That is what happens when one doesn't pay their bills. I mean, I'm just saying here right now, maybe you should pay that thing. All right, and anyways, moving on. Isaiah 46, 9 through 11. I want to read this scripture to establish the reality of prophecy and to back up everything I just declared. To, to once again reiterate, God is the one ultimately in control. God lets man operate through his free will. Nobody in here has ever had a time that you woke up and the Lord was making you do something you didn't know he was making you do. He always does it through yielded people. Okay, so the Lord is in control, but he can wait however long he needs to wait for his words to come to pass because God is not bound in the realms of time. He saw the end before it ever began, but your participation is up to you to decide, I want to be a part of what God's doing right now. Amen? Amen. And so Isaiah 46, 9 through 11 says, Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. I will call a swift bird of prey from the east, a leader from a distant land to come and do my bidding. I have said what I would do, and I will do it. Mic drop right there. That's the God that we serve. If God decrees it, it is going to happen. Jude 1, 14 through 15. Speaking about Enoch, the Bible records that Enoch is the first prophet that was on the earth, first person written in Scripture to prophesy from his mouth. The Lord speaks, and then the Lord speaks through man. What an honor and what a privilege that God would entrust you to bring forth a word to this world and to this nation, to your family, to your marriage, to your household. Come on. That God would lend his words to you to decree something is incredible. Jude 1, 14 through 15 says, Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. 
He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. For any of you that feel like wicked people are getting away with it, they will not get away with it forever. Do you believe that? Come on, somebody. Say, man, it felt like they're getting away with everything. When is justice going to be done? It will be done. It will be eternal. It will be swift. And you will be thankful that you had the blood. Come on, somebody. Now, Enoch's seven generation, only seven generations after man was created, they were already so perverse. (laughs) That God's like, we got to redeem these people. Seven generations. And he's like, all right, that's it. I'm prophesying. God's going to return all these ungodly, wicked people. They're going to be judged, and God is going to bring back tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of saints with him. Speaking about the second coming of Christ, how many people believe you're going to be a part of that second coming of Christ? Wow, a third of the room. That is scary. And so Enoch was the first man to prophesy scripturally. Now, I want to share something with you that I felt really blessed my heart as I was studying prophecy. Uh, I used to, when I read the Bible, when I first got saved, I began to read the Bible from start to finish. And it was all good until you got into numbers. And then you're like, all the begats really, like, begat you, you know. (laughs) Bob begat Sue, Sue begat, you know, like, what does this even mean? And, uh. But anyways, it was all good, and I'm reading it, but the first time I ever read the word, of course, I came across Methuselah in Genesis. That was the longest living man. How many people ever read that? Methuselah lived 969 years. That's a long time. So he had some wisdom, you could say, in 969 years. Of course, he he had like his first son when he was like 178, so he was like really waiting for the right lady. She's not the one. I'll keep waiting. But he had his son, and I used to ask myself, you know, I feel like everything in Scripture has value, and there's certain things that I read that stand out that I never get any value from, just being honest. And I asked the Lord, what does this mean? It stands out, but sometimes I get something, sometimes I don't. And I would ask the Lord, why did Methuselah outlive everybody? You know, if anybody outlived anybody, you'd think Adam was the one to live longer than everybody because he was the one that kind of fell, so he would have been the closest to God in the whole span of things. Why did Enoch just get taken off the earth like he did? But Enoch, being the first prophet, named his son Methuselah. Do you know what Methuselah means? Methuselah means, at my death, judgment comes. So the first prophet looks at his son and declares from his mouth, you will be named, at my death, judgment comes. What happened just from the course of one prophetic word was Methuselah had to live all the way up until the flood because at the flood was when judgment came. So because he spoke it over his son, Methuselah's life was longer than anybody else's life, waiting on the fulfillment of that ark to be built, Noah to complete the job, and then the same year the flood came, Methuselah graduated into heaven. Because it goes to show you if God establishes something, even if it takes nearly a thousand years, nothing on this earth will stop what God has decreed. Amen. And I say that to encourage you, even as you look at this nation, there are many mighty men of God and women of God 
that have prophesied the will of God over the nations. And I've not heard a single one say that destruction is coming. I've heard them all say, get ready, because a move of God is breaking out on the nations of the world. We are on the cup of the greatest, glorious revival that this world has ever even talked about. And I prophesy, I agree. (laughs) It shall come to pass. No plotting, no strategy in a dark room can stop what God has decreed. I believe it. Do you believe it? Shout amen. Man, it goes to show you the absolute grace of God. That grace was not a New Testament attribute that God developed all of a sudden. He was gracious from day one that he looked at wicked men and said, At the death of this man, judgment comes. I will extend his life as long as I can to give people as much of an opportunity to come and give their lives to me so they can be a part of that boat ride. Somebody say amen. Amen. The Lord is moving greater, I believe, in my life right now than I've witnessed up to date. I feel like heaven is like just mm, just on the cuff of just pouring out. I mean, well, that's last week we were in D.C. with 40,000 people worshiping the Lord on the nation's capital. Senators getting up full of the Holy Ghost. Speaking out how that Amy Coney Barrett's going to come in. We're going to reverse the tide of wickedness in this nation. We're going to see a mighty move of God. Come on. Grab a hold of what's happening right now. I spoke about this in our divine healing when I said, you know, blockages to healing. One of them is, is agreement in Exodus that spoke about coming in covenant with demonic entities or foreign things like that. So if you're in covenant with wicked principles, you're going to be struggling in your body, the Bible says, because the same curse that's upon them comes upon you. This nation has stood for murdering babies one after another. If we reverse this thing and come out of covenant with this thing and turn the tide back, our prop the release of God's blessing across this nation is going to fall on the just and unjust alike. But God is on the move of something very big right now. And I refuse to sit back and be quiet. Hey, victory is ours. Hey, I feel fire in this place. Your neighbors say, welcome to church. Tell you, man, we're breaking strategies of hell that have been woven so desperately by the devil to stop this move of God. But he's going to find out like he already knows that no matter how hard he plans, he cannot stop what God has decreed. And God has decreed a great, glorious awakening. And I speak it out in this generation. Come on. So be encouraged as you look at the world today. God's grace is sufficient. Things will always work out good for you. Believe it. He has proven this time and time again. He is not a man that he should lie. If he says it, all creation must bow to his decree. No matter what, remain full of hope and expect good things to happen. So what will happen over the next four years? Great things will happen over the next four years. And the next four after that, great things will happen because we serve a God that is victorious. Amen? All right. So let's speak about prophecy. What is prophecy? You know, is it just somebody that says, thus saith the Lord? (laughs) What constitutes prophecy? And Matthew 16, 1 through 4 says, 
on the day that the on one day the Pharisees and Sadducees came to test Jesus, demanding that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. He replied, "Know the saying, you know the saying, red sky at night means fair weather tomorrow. Red sky in the morning means foul weather all day." You know how to interpret the weather signs in the sky, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times. Only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign, but the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. Then Jesus left them and went away. Knowing things by the Lord, regardless of visible evidence, is the prophetic. And so Jesus rebukes people, saying, give us a sign, prove you're the, belie- you're the Messiah. He says, look, you can interpret things in the natural and understand the weather through that, but you are blind to see spiritual things. See, the church, when you got born again, you became a brand new creation. You actually got a fresh spirit from God. How many people are thankful for that? And what happens when you become a spiritual creation at the new birth is that you are aware of things you were not aware of before. A non-born-again person that doesn't have a spirit on the inside cannot conceive or perceive spiritual matters. So they, they don't comprehend it. They don't see it. They don't understand it. They go around, and to them, it's always Republican versus Democrat, capitalism versus communism, all of these things. But spiritually awake people realize that is not the battle that we are in. It's not red versus blue. It's the things of God. It's the kingdom of light standing about the darkness that tries to come upon every generation. And we are the restraining force, and we are awake, and we're alive, and we will not be bound by anything in this world. So when you become awakened to that, the world actually begins to make more sense. Would you agree with that? When you're spiritually alive, you begin to look at things and say, this all makes much more sense right now because you understand things by the Spirit. But people that don't have the Spirit are looking at it and they're blinded to what is happening. They have no comprehension of things that are happening outside of the spiritual world. Prophecy is when you know something by the Spirit regardless of visible evidence. It doesn't like, it's not like you prophesy because you read an article that Sudan is going to have a move of God, so then you get up and prophesy it, you know, or you read some article and then you're just, it's outside of visible evidence. You're declaring something, you're agreeing with something, you're releasing something, and it doesn't matter if it looks like it's not going to happen at all when you know it in your knower. Come on, somebody. Which Kenneth Hagin said, the final move of God on the earth will be marked by an increase of the spirit of seeing and knowing. Come on, somebody. So God is looking to increase in his church an understanding of seeing and knowing so that you know things by the spirit. Someone says, how do you know that? Your mind can't, can't even begin to explain how you know it. You just know it on the inside. This is what's happening right now. I bind that maneuver from hell. Come on. You know because you are awakened. The prophetic is knowing things without visible evidence. Now, why does God decree future events? For two reasons, I believe. Number one, I believe God decrees future events to the church so that we are prepared for what is coming. If you read the Bible, the rain falls on the just and unjust alike. Judgment comes. It's like whole nations get shaken. Well, you're in a nation that has done wicked things. It can be shaken, but when God speaks to you, prophetically and you are prepared for what is coming the Lord will position you well in advance of where other people will be because you've got inside information look at your neighbor say inside inside trading that's right baby when you know what's going to happen 
you can be positioned for what's about to happen. I believe that the Lord reveals things to his church so that you're prepared. How many people are grateful for that? How many people could say personally the Lord has actually spoken to you about things specific in your life ahead of time that prepared you in advance for what you were going to go through? Look at this. Raise your hands everywhere. Look at the grace of God in this place. Isn't that incredible? God, in all of his loftiness, his creator of heaven and earth, still takes the time to speak to his bride concerning things individually in their life to prepare you in advance for what is going to happen. Why? Because God cares about you. Secondly, I believe the Lord speaks things out because he's gracious and he wants the church to declare what he's going to do so that when it happens, those looking on that are torn between the sides will say, well, the Lord did decree this thing. And I saw when they said it, I didn't think that was going to happen, but God did what he said he was going to do. So I got to figure out who this God is that backs up what he says. It's the grace of God. God uses the prophetic to win people and to prepare his church. So in both sides, God uses the prophetic for victory. The church moves ahead and the church grows as she moves ahead. 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21. 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. This is super important to grab. Never forget this Scripture. It tells you where prophecy comes from. It does not come from ungodly people. It does not come, it comes only from holy men and women surrendered to God's will. If a person ain't holy, you don't have to accept anything they say about the future. Are you with me right now? I don't care what they've been plotting. I don't care if they've been sacrificing goats and chickens. I don't care any of that stuff. If you are not holy, if you are not full of the Spirit, if you are not saved by the blood of Jesus, if you're not speaking by the Spirit on the inside, your words do not have the power to dictate my future. Come on. I'm speaking better than you're shouting. I feel fire in this place. Prophecy is not your willing for something to happen. And we hit that with the Super Bowl. You can will it. doesn't even matter if your will is a good will. Like you have a good will, and this is for a good reason, to take care of the puppies, and it's really good if we could do this. That's not prophecy, and you can will it all you want. You can chant it. You can get weird. You can wear leotards and dance. You can take a flag and blow it in the air. You can take your, your, your curl-up horn, blow that thing. <laughs> You can use the words, I prophesy, I decree, I declare. But if it ain't God's will, you can speak things out in faith according to the word of God, which is actually agreeing with prophecy. Are you with me? If you're just creating something because you really, 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 really want this to happen. It's just really, really be good if this happened. It's not going to have any power. But when God decrees something through a holy person, Surrendered to his will, you write it down because that'll happen. Every time, that'll happen. Do you believe it? Shout amen. Now, is this encouraging you right now in the midst of all uncertainty right now? If there's any, any entity on the world today that should not be confused, it should be the bride of Christ. We should know where we are, know who we are, know who he is, know his plan, 
and just rest in the fact that it doesn't matter what shaking we see, what news article, what is happening. We already know the end of the book is this is going to work out good, that God has a victorious plan in mind, that come hell or high water, it will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. You with me this morning? Come on, say amen. Amen. Prophecy comes from the Spirit, not from you. You know you're prophesying when your mind is just as shocked by what you're saying as anybody else in the room is. When you're sitting there thinking, this is good, write this down as it's coming out of your mouth, most likely you're prophesying. But when you stayed up last night Googling, called in a psychic hotline to get news flash then come out and try and prophesy it, your words will fall flat right on the ground. But if they came from the Spirit, it doesn't matter if you're five or if you're 105, there's power that comes when you speak from God. I'm going to back it up even more. See, because the church is like, I believe that's the Lord. Let me tell you something. The devil doesn't just believe God has power. The devil knows he has power. The devil has learned through whooping after whooping after whooping That if God decrees something, he ain't going to be able to do it, anything to stop it. The first prophecy ever spoken in the Bible, Genesis 3.15, was spoken by God. So Enoch was the first prophet, but the first prophecy ever given was God himself. And this is what the Lord said. He said, I will cause hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. This is right after mankind fell. Man's basically doomed from sin. The devil has taken dominion over, but God shows up and prophesies right in that moment. Why it was so important that the Lord prophesied is because if he didn't come and decree that, the man would be bound under the dominion of the devil the rest of his life. But God said, that ain't how this story ends. You maybe won this battle, but let me tell you what's going to happen. The seed of the woman is going to crush your head, and all you'll be able to do is bruise his heel. Come on, somebody, that is you. You are the sons and daughters of the Most High. You are a part of that seed that is prophesied. And so the devil is planned to take you out. But all he can do is bruise your heel. But you will crush his head in the name of Jesus. I feel fire right there. Man, some of you have been in a fight for your life or a fight for someone else's life. And the devil's huffing and puffing like he's going to win this thing. But remind him, remember who you are. You are the defeated one. You are beneath my feet. And the word of the Lord will triumph. Jesus. Come on, somebody. Pastor Mark, I may have to tag you in because I'm just going to fall out. Now watch this. If this encouraged me, I hope it encourages you. Hopefully I am able to get it out well. What happened in this moment was the devil heard the Lord decree something. He heard the seed of this woman is going to crush your head. So he decided, I got to do something to stop this thing. I can't let this woman have seed. And if she has seed, I got to take the seed out before they're big enough, bad enough, and tough enough to crush me. So enter Cain and Abel. She has two boys. So the devil comes in and lures one in sin. Which the Bible says sin is crouching at the door, wanting to have dominion over you. But God's purpose is that you would rule over that sin. 
Come on, somebody. Why do you have faith that you can live free from the junk of this world? Because God has given you the power and the dominion to rule over the sin of this world. Amen. Amen. And so Cain kills Abel. The devil's thinking, I've stopped the seed. But every time the devil comes against Cain and Abel, God has a Seth. And when Seth came on the scene, it just kept the seed going forward. So now the devil's still stressing. Man, she just keeps popping out babies. So the, Lord, the, the devil gets an idea. Well, if I can't stop her sons, I can pervert the bloodline of women. Because if I pervert the entire seed of women through getting angels to sleep with them, then it perverts the bloodline and I've stopped the word of God in its tracks. And everything he said will not come to pass and I will keep my dominion. And so angels began to sleep with women. Perverting the bloodline, giants were born, Nephilim, all that stuff in the Old Testament. But in the midst of all of this, God still had a Noah. And Noah's bloodline was not tainted. It was still the blood of a woman, the seed of the woman, directly untainted by everything in this world. And God placed his hand upon Noah. He gave him a word to prophesy that in 120 years, judgment's coming. You build, I think it's 120 years. I hope so. Otherwise, don't check me on it. Just keep moving. Just keep moving. Just not amen. Build that boat. Sell yourself out there and turn this thing around. And he did. Because every time the enemy comes to pervert, God has a righteous person. And it only takes one righteous person that will not bow their knees to stop the devil's plan right in its tracks. Come on. You have that. You say, man, I've been fighting for my family for generations. You are enough. You are enough. You are the one that is standing in the gap. That's enough. That settles the issue right there. So then the devil's like, well, that screwed all up. I can't stop it. The bloodline's still secure. Then God calls out Abraham, and he eyes attention on Abraham. Okay, Abraham's going to be the one to make this seed come to pass. I'll strike Sarah with barrenness. She won't have a kid, and then Sarah has a really dumb idea. Anybody in here ever had a dumb idea? I've never had one. Tell me how it feels. She's like, I can't get pregnant. Sleep with my handmaid. That's a dumb idea. All parties involved were stupid. And what happens is Ishmael came, and we're still fighting that battle today. But when the devil brings an Ishmael, God still has an Isaac. Against all odds, and even when you screw up, God still has a prophesied Isaac. Come on, somebody grab the redemption of God. He's so precious. He's so loving. He's so forgiving. And his will will come to pass in your life. He will bless you. He will mark you. He will keep you. And Isaac kept growing. So then what happens? Isaac turns into a nation. The nation turns into God's chosen people. God's chosen people decide we need a king. So a king rises up named Saul. And the devil says, that's the bloodline. That's going to crush my head. So I'm going to pervert it now and stop it in its tracks. So he got in Saul's head, drove him crazy, got him full of pride. Saul commits suicide. And the devil's laughing, thinking, I have stopped the word of God. Finally, I have stopped it. For this man is dead and no more, and the bloodline has stopped. But the devil 
didn't see a young worshiper in a field named David. Because the devil don't know what God don't tell him or what you don't tell him. Come on, somebody. So David rose up. The bloodline kept going forward. And I feel like what you got to grab from this, what I discovered when I read this was the cross, which we all celebrate as the final victory, where God made a public spectacle of the devil, the Bible says, triumphing over him like one in a parade. Isn't that awesome? It's like God didn't just beat him. He was like, let's do me carrying the cross is actually my parade, rubbing it in his face. Check this out. Whoop, da, 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 da. You can't touch this. That was a singular victory. But it wasn't one victory that led to the cross. It was literally every strategy and every plan the devil ever had, he always lost. He never won. Not one time did he beat the the Lord. Not one time did his endeavors ever produce any fruit that he wanted it to produce. So the cross was just one more slap upside his face where finally his head was bruised once and for all. And you, my friend, (laughs) you new covenant, Holy Ghost, spirit-filled, blood-bought church are a constant thorn in the side of the devil because you are a daily reminder that no matter what he plans, if God decrees a thing, it will come to pass. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. You look in the mirror, you're like, it looks like an average Joe. But when the devil looks at you, he's like, that's a reminder. Every time they pray, they crush my head. They spin it on me. I am a loser. I have always been a loser. And that's the story of my life. And don't you dare try and encourage the devil. Oh, it's okay. You'll one day get there. You just tell him he's a loser daily. Did you get that, though? So like I said, from the time this prophecy was spoken to its grand fulfillment on the cross, Satan never rested in his maneuvers to stop the word of God. But today we stand as the constant thorn in the enemy's side that regardless of all his strategies, he had no power to stop what God has spoken. If God has decreed a thing, church, believers, men, women, it will come to pass. And it doesn't matter what army rises up on this earth. doesn't matter what country stands against it. doesn't matter any maneuvers or any strategies or any alliances of mankind. They do not have the power. The Tower of, Tower of Babel was an alliance of man, but it came to nothing. Because you cannot outmaneuver the Lord. He is strong in battle. He is mighty to save. And he is moving right now, and you're a part of that move. Jesus. Believe it. Your opposition doesn't just believe it. He actually knows it. He's not sitting there saying, I believe the Lord is good. He knows the Lord is good. He knows the Lord is victorious. He knows he wins every time. So the only thing he can try and do is convince you that God is not who God actually is. That's his only maneuver to take you out. But when you know who God is and you know who you are, you're no longer afraid of the fight. Come on, somebody. You're prepared for the fight. And you already know that I'm about to take this sucker out. Amen? 
He knows he's defeated. He knows that he is doomed. And he knows that what God declares is what will happen. This initial prophecy, let me read this. This is a direct quote from Lester Sumrall, a mighty man of God. This is what he said regarding this. The initial property of the Bible set the pattern of God's dealing with man and Satan. Let a man be a true man of God, and he will have battles that he never dreamed of. The devil will attack him, but if he will put his trust in Jesus, he will win. Tell the devil that you're a winner. Don't ever concede, don't ever quit, and don't ever say the burden is too hard. Remember, prophecy destroys the forces of unbelief. It overthrows humanistic teachings that say that man is his own God and his own Savior. It overthrows the New Age movement, which says that man can take care of himself without God. That is not true. Man needs a helper. Man needs a Savior. And that is exactly what we have in the fulfillment of the Bible's first prophecy. A Savior has come, and his name is Jesus. Come on, somebody. God is so good. He's so good. The Lord is so good. And yeah, you'll have battles. Yeah, you'll have fights. Yeah, things will come. Yeah, you'll have moments where you felt victorious and moments where you thought, I don't know how this one's going to end. But that's just the flesh because the Spirit knows that if God is on my side, this thing's breaking away. It doesn't matter what, what is coming against me. Prophecy is understanding this is what will happen without visible evidence in the place, which is also termed basically faith. Faith in the reality of God's established authority that is unquestionable no matter what. Now watch this. This is one thing I want to encourage you with in closing today. There's a story in Genesis, which I'm not going to read because it's a long story, but Genesis chapter 18 where, where the Lord actually visits Abraham. And it's right before he destroys Sodom and Gomorrah where Abraham's nephew was living, Lot, at the time. They were so wicked and so perverse that basically the Lord said, I have to eliminate this entire city and wipe it off. You can't Google Sodom and Gomorrah and find directions to it today because it ain't there. <laughs> when we were in Israel, they pointed at this rock that was made out of salt, and they were like, that's Lot's wife. I was like, you guys have a bad sense of humor. <laughs> the Jews don't care. They're like, that's Lot's wife. Don't look over there. And uh, So God takes them out, but before he takes them out, I've always thought this was incredible, that the Lord, the Bible's intentional using the term the Lord. He showed up with two other angels. He sent them on to Sodom and Gomorrah, but the Lord stayed behind. And he says, should I conceal this matter from Abraham? And he decided, I'm going to speak with Abraham about my own actions and what I'm about to do in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to make him aware of what I'm about to do. And he sat and convened with Abraham. And the Bible says that Abraham began to negotiate. Surely you wouldn't take them out if there was righteous people there. What about 50? What about 20? What about 10? What about 5? And the Lord agreed with Abraham, if I can find that many righteous, I'll spare the city. But the Lord already knew that there was not that many righteous in the city and that he was about to take it out. So God didn't meet with Abraham because he needed counsel. God met with Abraham to reveal to Abraham who he was and to bring him into the scheme of when God plans something, He brings man and women on board to be a part of heaven's strategy. Why does he do that? Because he's gracious and because he loves you. And in that moment, when I read that, 
it fills me with a question that I want to challenge you with tonight or today or wherever we are. <laughs> Minneapolis, you've been so good to me today. What is <laughs> I love you, New York. <laughs> on this special Christmas morning. <laughs> Sorry, I get on these things and it stays for a while. What does God want to say to you? What is God looking to reveal personally to you? And when you read that, here's a man that God decided to step on the earth and convene with face-to-face to reveal strategies of heaven at that time. And I believe that now more than ever, I do believe, and I've heard other people prophesy this, that we're standing in a time when the Lord is going to begin to decree many more and more things, and you're going to see an acceleration of those things come to pass, that God is looking to speak to his church and to his bride. But the question is, are you too busy? Are you too distracted? Are you too short-sighted? To miss those moments with God. This is the last time that you had that moment when you just forgot about the time. Forgot about the news. Forgot about Facebook. You didn't click to see what the three updates were or whatever they call those things. Notifications. When's the last time you just truly got lost with God and had that moment? And that's part of our prayer. Coming in, praying in the Holy Ghost and also getting those moments when the Lord speaks to you something precious something straight from heaven and i believe that god is looking to declare and speak to many people right now purpose strategy destiny his maneuvers his will the things to come to speak out what's going to happen and i believe even we stand in a time where you're going to start seeing the lord do things that people have thought would never happen is beginning to happen right now Even what do we say as a kid that used to be the joke, pray for peace in the Middle East. And now you're actually starting to see negotiations of nations coming on board for peace. It used to be a joke. Now it's something that the Lord is making happen. And it was a joke because people thought it'll never happen but God. I believe that God's got a whole lot more up his sleeve for this generation. So my challenge to you is, when's the last time you heard something straight from God? Not from a man of God, not just from a news article, but heaven spoke to your spirit about things that are about to happen and saw it come to pass. Right now in this room, I encourage you, stir yourself up this week to go deeper in the things of the Lord. Man, if God will meet with Abraham, he'll meet with you. And regardless of what it looks like in the natural, in this nation, the nations of the world, I can promise you this, God has never been caught unaware. You take 2020, God was not caught aware of anything in 2020. He was not like, oh, I didn't see this pandemic coming. I didn't see this this maneuver. He saw it all ahead of time. God is not shocked. Maybe if we were shocked, we should ask ourselves, how did we miss it? You know? What did we miss, God? And then now in that moment, be humble enough to say, Lord, here I am. Speak to me, God. Thank you that you decreed to my spirit for things to come. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.